So we're in the book of Acts, going through the book of Acts together, and this morning we will continue in the book of Acts and Saul's um, transformation, I guess, uh, the story of Saul's transformation. Uh, We're going to pick up in chapter 9 and starting in the second half of verse 19. So last week we saw Jesus pursuing Saul, saving him on the Damascus road, um, Saul being baptized, and, and we sort of left off there with Saul staying in Damascus with Ananias and uh, other disciples. And we'll pick up there this morning. But before we get there, um, I... I some verses that came to mind this week just as I was preparing that I want to read in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Paul was writing to the Corinthian church, um, and, and he wrote, wrote some things I want to share. And the reason I want to share these with you is because I, I think in the, the, the telling of Saul's story that we see in Acts chapter 9 that we're going to talk about this morning, we actually see happening what Saul is writing about as he writes to the Corinthian church. Now, I hope this makes sense as we go along. But 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning in verse 14. Um, For the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all that those who might no longer, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their, their sake died and was raised. Now, This is the gospel, Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. From there in verse 16, Paul Paul writes, From now on, therefore, um, because of this gospel, that's what the therefore is there for, um, because of the gospel, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, again, because of the gospel, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So the gospel changes everything. And, and what I think that we see is Paul writing about the gospel transformation that happened in his own life, the gospel transformation that we get a glimpse of when we, when we look at our passage in Acts chapter 9. Everything is changed by the gospel. And that's, that's exactly what Paul is saying in these verses as he's written to the Corinthians. Um, we are new creations, new creatures. The old is gone. We have become new. So everything is changed. We are changed. We are these new creations. And everything about us has changed. Everything about the world around us and how we view the world has changed. Everything about the people around us and how we view them, it's all changed by the gospel. Saul is a new creation. And that's what we see. Saul 
is a new creation. In our verses in Acts that we're getting ready to read, Saul be becoming this new creation. Um, he is a new creation with, with new brothers and sisters. The gospel has changed him. It's given him a new direction and a new purpose in life. The gospel makes everything new. That's the title of the message. That's what we're talking about. I think that's what we are going to see as we, as we dig in a little bit to our verses in, in Acts. Now, I, I want to say two quick things this morning. Jesus makes everything new. Um, Jesus does make everything new. Hear me on this. Not necessarily easier. Jesus makes everything new, but not necessarily easier easier. And we see that in, in Saul's life. Um, the other thing that I want to say as we start, and I've already done it like two or three times. So to this point, Saul, we, we, that is the name that we read in the book of Acts. When we come to chapter 13, um, the, for whatever reason, Saul begins to be called Paul. Uh, and so his name will change in chapter 13 primarily, not always, but primarily to Paul. And so we talk about the Apostle Paul. So here's why I'm telling you this. Probably this morning I'm going to flip-flop between Saul and Paul in what I'm saying to you, even though in my notes I wrote Saul because that's what Acts chapter 9 says. So I'm just telling you this so as we go along you're not like, wait a minute, I thought he said Paul. Are we talking about Paul or are we talking about Saul? Yes, we are. We are. So that's just a warning. I'm going to mess that up along the way. So let's pray and then this, let's jump into these verses and see how Jesus changes everything in Saul's life and everything in our life as well. And I'm going to ask if you would pray with me. Um, pray that the Holy Spirit would be good. My, here's my prayer. I was praying it even as we were singing. I'm praying that this story in the life of Saul would be more than just another Bible story but that the Holy Spirit would make this real to us, that we would see um, the beauty of the transformation that took place in Saul's life, and that we would know that the Holy Spirit would help us know that this is the same transformation uh, that should be our lives. So would you pray that with me? Pray that the Holy Spirit would teach us and, and help us to see those things today. Would you, would you pray with me? Good, good. Let's pray. Father, thank you for uh, your goodness. Thank you for the goodness that you have um, just regularly shown to New City. Uh, and again, even this morning, you are, are so gracious to us. Uh, thank you for the grace that you poured out yesterday and all the people who worked, the grace that we see this morning and all the people who serve. Um, God, you are just amazing, and we are not worthy of such grace. That's why it's grace. Um, God, I pray uh, that you would be um, extra gracious this morning, Holy Spirit, that you would teach us. I pray that this story from the book of Acts would come to life today. Holy Spirit, that you would empower the, the words, your word, and this message, and, and that it would become real to us, that we would see truly the, the transformation that took place in Saul's life as he came to Christ. And that we would know, I pray that we would know that this is the same transformation um, that, that, that is ours. That we are new creations, new creatures. Help us. Help us to know that. Help us to believe it. Help us to live in that light. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
Okay, so let's start with just the story. I want to read our verses from Acts chapter 9, again, beginning in the second half of, um, of verse 19. But let's talk about the story. And this is really like in the, in the scheme of the book of Acts, this is the start of Saul's gospel ministry. That's, that's the point of this story. This is how Saul's uh, gospel ministry begins. So we again, we talked last week about Jesus pursuing Saul. Saul meets Jesus on the Damascus road. He's blinded by the glory of Jesus. Um, Jesus sends Ananias to talk with Saul, to share the gospel with him, to pray for him. Ananias goes. Saul is healed from his blindness. He hears the gospel, becomes a believer. Ananias baptizes him, and that's where we pick up in, in verse 19. For some days he was with the disciples at Damascus, and immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is the Son of God. And all who heard him were amazed and said, Is not this the man who made havoc in Jerusalem of those who called upon this name? And has he not come here for this purpose, to bring them bound before the chief priests? But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ." Right, so what we see, Saul staying in Damascus after becoming a believer, staying with Ananias and staying with other believers there, immediately, immediately, Luke says, Saul began going to the synagogues and proclaiming the good news. Now, the synagogues are where the Jewish people gathered, um, those who followed God, uh, gathered to hear the reading of the scripture and be taught and worship God. That took place in the synagogue. Paul Saul, see, there I go, already did it. Saul immediately, Luke tells us, goes to the synagogues and he begins um, telling his, his Jewish friends and family uh, that Jesus is the promised one, showing them from Scripture that Jesus is the Son of God. He, they were confounded. They were confounded by him, confused, angered. They didn't know how to respond. They didn't know what to say or to do. So, um, Verse 23 says, when many days had passed, the Jews plotted to kill him. They didn't know how to respond to him. Uh, some were becoming believers, and the Jews were becoming more frustrated, so they plotted to kill him. But their plot became known to Saul. They were watching the gates by day and by night in order to kill him. But his disciples took him by night and let him down through an opening in the wall, lowering him in a basket. Now, two quick related things to these verses. Verse 25 says that it was Saul's disciples who helped him escape. Now, what that means is that Saul had been in the area of Damascus long enough proclaiming the gospel that, they, that he had seen believers come to Jesus and those believers become his disciples, meaning uh, that he was their primary teacher about who Jesus was and, and what he had done and how to live in light of the gospel. Saul had been there long enough to lead people to Jesus and become their primary teacher. Verse 26 says that he left and went from Damascus to Jerusalem. Now, if we compare this with other passages on Paul's life, it is likely when we compare them, like to Galatians uh, chapter 1, it's likely that Saul had been in the area of um, Arabia and Damascus preaching and teaching and building up the church for three years. 
For three years he was there, and, and, and by now, three years in, the Jewish people there are so frustrated, confounded by Paul and his teaching, um, that the Jews seek to kill him. So he escapes, and he heads back to Jerusalem, verse 26. And when he had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples, the believers there. And they were all afraid of him, for they did not believe that he was a disciple. Now, who would blame them for being afraid of Saul? Uh, who, would, who would blame them for their disbelief that he had become uh, a, an actual disciple? It was Saul who had ravaged the church. It was Saul who was arresting believers, dragging them out of their homes, arresting them, sending, to jail, sending them to jail, and even having them killed, murdered. Verse 27. Uh, but Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared to them how on the road he had seen the Lord who spoke to him and how at Damascus he had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. So he went in and out among them at Jerusalem, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord, and he spoke and disputed against the Hellenists. But they were seeking to kill him. And when, when the brothers learned this, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. So Barnabas stands up for Saul when he comes, and everybody's like, no, get this guy out of here. He's a murderer. Barnabas stands up for Saul. He takes Saul even to the apostles, and he tells the apostles, the leaders in the church, everything that he's seen and heard and knows about Saul and how he is a changed person. So cautiously, I'm sure that they were cautious about this, um, they, 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 they welcome him in. The, the believers do. They welcome him in, and Luke says that he is going in and out among the believers. So he's coming, and he's going, and he's preaching Jesus, and he's arguing Christ with the Hellenists. The Hellenists were uh, also Jews who followed God, um, arguing with the Hellenists that, that, that Jesus was the Christ. And once again, the Jewish people don't know what to do with Saul and what he's teaching, so they decide they will just kill him. Um, when the brothers hear, verse 30, about what's happening, they get Saul out of the city and they take him to Caesarea and Tarsus. And then verse 31 tells us that there was peace in all of Judea, Galilee, and Samaria, and the church was walking in the fear of the Lord. Um, that means worship and admiration, astonishment, all of the Lord and all that he was doing, and, and walking in the peace, the comfort, and joy of the Holy Spirit. And I love this. As all this was taking place, the church was multiplying. The church was multiplying as the gospel continued to uh, go forth. Um, so that's the story. But, but, but what I, I want us to do is to sort of um, look beneath the surface on this a little bit and look more closely at some of the changes that we see here in, in Saul. This is not the Saul that we read about who was, who was pursuing the church. This is not the Saul who was present at the stoning of Stephen. And listen to me, this is not just that Saul has gone from unbeliever to believer. The changes in Saul are absolutely incredible. And I, I want you to keep that in mind. Sadly, in, in our culture, in our Bible Belt culture, um, for some reason we have come to see um, the change as just maybe some eternal destination. 
Right? Like, like we come to believe in Jesus and maybe we clean up some areas of our life, but essentially everything is the same. Our life is the same. There are no dramatic changes for most of us. Um, we're just looking for the day that Jesus comes back or, or if we die, we get to go to heaven and be with him. That, that's, that's not Saul's life. That's not the biblical picture. That's not what we were reading about in 2 Corinthians. Saul is a new person. That's what we're talking about. Saul is a new person, and we see it. Saul is a, is a new creation. We read these verses a minute ago from 2 Corinthians 5. From now on, therefore, uh, Saul says, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, if who is in Christ? Anyone. Anyone. That means, that means Saul. That means the other disciples there who had become believers and were following Jesus in Saul's day. That means us. If anyone, that means you. If you are in Christ, you are a new creature, a new creation. Everything is new. Everything is new. Saul's change was not just a change in activities. So th th that's part of that. We, when, when we say we become believers in our culture, we sometimes change some of our activities. We stop doing things that we know are bad things that Christians shouldn't do. And, and then we, we pick up some things, and often, maybe it's not your experience, maybe it was just my experience, we start doing some other things so that we can be good Christians. Like, this is what good Christians do. I need to do these good things. Sometimes it's so that we can be seen as good Christians. Sometimes it's so that we, we feel like we need to maintain our standing before God, a good standing, or maybe to pay him back. Well, Jesus has done so much for us. In order to pay him back, I need to do all of these good things. We're not talking about any of that here. We're not talking about adding things as a list of, of do's and don'ts in our life. What we're talking about here is a complete identity change. Saul is not the man that he was before. And so what we see taking place with Saul is not a new list of do's and don'ts from Saul. It is a completely new life based on who Saul now is in Christ. Before, Saul was a Hebrew of Hebrews and a Pharisee. Those were his identities. Saul will now find in Christ that he is a completely new man. He is a son. A son of God with a new family. He is a missionary with a new purpose in his life. And he is a servant. A servant shaped in the image of Jesus himself. So that's what we want to unpack. Because Saul's story begins with this one, I'm going to begin with it too. Saul is a missionary. right? Saul is this new creation, this new person. Saul is a missionary. Now, as a Pharisee, Saul loved the law. He wanted to keep the law. He wanted to enforce the law. He was an enforcer of the law. He judged by the law. Self-righteously, he judged himself by his list of do's and don'ts. And he judged others, the people around him, often very harshly by that same list of do's and don'ts. But now Paul has found salvation in the only place that it can truly be found, and that is not in, in Saul's self-righteousness and in the good deeds that he did and, and, and the great way that he avoided the don'ts. He has found salvation in the gracious gift of the Father, salvation in the gift of Jesus Christ. 
through his life, his death, his resurrection, right? It's his righteousness that is the beautiful gift to Saul through faith. In 2 Corinthians, um, he wrote again, verse 18, all of this salvation, all of this transformation is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself. This is what God was doing through the Son. We were separated from God by our sin. Jesus came, lived the life that we can't, died the death that we deserve, was raised from death on the third day, defeating death and sin and Satan. That's the good news of the gospel. He was in his life, death, and resurrection reconciling us to God. Those of us who were far away are are brought near through faith in Christ and the work that he has done. All of this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Now, I I want you to to notice the way that Saul thinks here and and the flow of thought. We, We don't do mission we, we, we don't do mission. We don't tell people the gospel. We don't share that good news with them in order to be good Christians. Saul never says that. Paul never writes that. Saul says, when we become Christians reconciled to God in Christ, then our very identity is changed, and we are now ambassadors for Christ. We were enemies with God. We were enemies with Christ. Now, in Christ, through this faith, we have a new identity. We are brought near. We are reconciled. And we are made representatives of Christ. And as we represent Christ, what we are doing is continuing the mission that he started. And why did Jesus come? Was it not to reconcile broken and fallen sinners to our gracious and loving God? was. His coming was to reconcile broken humanity to God, to to redeem and restore what was meant in creation before sin ever entered into the world. It, it, It was reconciling us to God. Listen, disciples do what their teacher did. Ambassadors represent, uh, represent Jesus doing what Jesus did. Jesus lived, his whole life was for reconciliation. His life, his death, his resurrection, all of it was for our reconciliation. Saul would do the same. His life would become an entirely new life dedicated to the reconciliation of others to the Father. Now this isn't just... Uh, something that we see in, in Saul. This is the Great Commission itself of Matthew chapter 28 where Jesus told his disciples, right? They were, they were gathered. It was the end of his life. His disciples, he's preparing them. They're like, what are we going to do when you leave? What are we supposed to do? What's our walking instructions? And, and what Jesus told them, we call the Great Commission, as you go, right? That's the Great Commission. It isn't to go. He's not sending people to all these faraway places. Jesus says, as you go, as you go about your life, make disciples. As you go, make disciples of all peoples, all tribes, all colors, all tongues, all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded. And I don't know if you noticed or not, but what he had just commanded is, as you go, make disciples. 
And so what that means, if they are teaching all that he has commanded, is that there are generation after generation after generation of commissioned disciples who make disciples. Now, Peter said it differently, but, it, but it's the same thing. Peter, he was one of the disciples who walked with Jesus, and he said this in, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. He says that believers are a chosen race, that we are a royal priesthood and a holy nation. We are new. We used to be enemies with God. We used to be far from God. We used to be excluded from the promises of God. But now all of that has changed and we are made new. This is who we are. We, we are these holy people. We are this royal priesthood. And then Peter says, here's why. So that we may proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. That's Jesus. Peter is saying the same thing. You guys are made new. And you're no longer what you used to be. Now you are this holy nation. You're this royal priesthood. And the reason that you are is to proclaim the excellencies of Jesus who saved you, who redeemed you, who reconciled you to the Father, who called you out of darkness and into His marvelous light. Peter's saying there is, there is something more than you getting a pass on your sin, right? That, that's kind of where we normally settle in, in the Bible Belt South, right? Like, like this salvation thing is just a pass on our sins that we've committed, and one day we'll get to go to heaven, and he's saying, no, 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 this is, this is very, very different than that. You are a new person, just like Saul was saying. You are a new person, and you are a part of a new people, and you are this in order to proclaim the excellencies of Christ and to see other people reconciled as you have been reconciled. Now, listen to me on this. Because I, I, I know this can feel like overwhelming, right? Like, oh gosh, I have to do this thing. No, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying you have to do this thing. I'm saying you have to be this. I'm, I'm saying this is who you are. Like, you, you, you are a missionary. You don't do missionary. You, you just are. This is your identity in Christ. Okay, here's an example. It's, it's probably, I'll just admit it, it's a dumb example. Fish. Not the group, fish, but fish that swim, right? Fish don't swim in order to be fish. Like there's not a, the, the day the baby fish are born, mama fish doesn't say, now if you want to be a fish, you're going to have to swim. Fish just swim. Why? Because that's what fish do. Like that's, God, God created them in this way. So, so, so fish just swim. They don't swim in order to be a good fish. Fish just swim because fish are fish. Dogs bark. Like if you, if you have a dog that doesn't bark, that never barks, you are blessed. They bark because it's what dogs do. It's what they were created to do. Mama dog doesn't say, hey, if you want to be a dog, you're going to have to bark. And no dog thinks, like, if I'm going to be, I want to be a good dog, so in order to be a good dog, I'm going to bark a lot. Dogs bark because it's what dogs do. It's what they were created to do. It's who they are. Peter said the new people of God proclaim His excellencies to others. 
He didn't say in order to be the people of God, you have to do this thing. He said, because you are the people of God, tell the people around you about the excellencies of Jesus who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Jesus told the disciples, disciples make disciples. It's what you do as you go, make disciples. He didn't say in order to be a disciple, here is what you have to do. He said, because you are a disciple, make other disciples. Saul said, you you are an ambassador for Christ. You you have been made this ambassador. When you came to Christ, he made you a new creation. And the new creature that you are, in, in part, is for you to be an ambassador for Christ, representing him, pleading with others for their reconciliation to God. We don't share the good news in order to to be a Christ follower. We don't share the good news so that Jesus will love us more. We do it because this is who he's made us to be. This is what we are. This is our identity. I say this all the time when we talk about this. Like you are a missionary. If you're a follower of Christ, you are a missionary. We all are. Some of us are just terrible missionaries. Saul went from from being a persecutor of Jesus. Chapter 9, verse 4, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? To being a proclaimer of Jesus, being a witness of Jesus. Saul Saul went from being a a, a Pharisee rising in the ranks of his uh, profession to pursuing and pursuing the destruction of the church, to being a missionary proclaiming the good news of Jesus, telling people who don't know or believe in him uh, all about Jesus so that they too might become believers, from destroying the church to building up the church immediately. Immediately, verse 20 says, he began sharing the good news. He confounded the leaders by proving Jesus was the Christ, uh, verse 22. He preached boldly in Jerusalem, verse 28. And in both of those places, he did that even when the people around him were, were, were furious, were angry, were trying to kill him. Why? Why did he do that? So he could be a, 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 a good disciple? so that he could be a good believer, Jesus made him an ambassador of the gospel. That's why he did it. Because this is who he was. He was pleading with others to be reconciled to God in Christ. He was a disciple, and disciples make disciples. It's what we do. So, Saul is a missionary. Saul is also a brother. Saul's old friends were were Jews, the Jewish people. Um, That was his people. His friends were Pharisees, um, the religious leaders of the Jews. His friends were were people like the priests and the high priest. That's who sent him to Damascus to arrest uh, and even kill Christians. Um, He was was looked up to as a Jew and a Pharisee, and and, and he was respected by those people. But, But as soon as transformation happened in his life, even though Saul still loved those people, according to verse 23, what did that group of people wish to do with Saul? Kill him. They wanted to kill Saul. The people who sent Saul out to to capture and kill Christians, who were supposed to be his friends, who were supposed to love him, those people now wanted to, to kill him. 
And, 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 and the opposite is true of, of, of Christians. Even though Saul had come to destroy Christianity in Damascus, it was Ananias, the Christ follower, who went to Saul. Who, who was it that gave Saul a place to, to stay and, 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 and fed him and nourished him and got him back on his feet? Who was it that walked with him while he was in Damascus and Arabia? Was it not the very people that Saul sought to kill? And when he came to Jerusalem, what happened? I'll, I'll read these verses again. Chapter 9, verse 26. And when he had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples, and they were all afraid of him, for they did not believe that he was a disciple. Now, I want to point out something here. They weren't seeking to kill him. They were afraid of him, and that seems fitting. <laughs> but, but unlike the Jewish people, they were not seeking to kill him. They were afraid of him. They didn't believe that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him in and brought him to the apostles and declared to them how on the road he had seen the Lord who spoke to him and how at Damascus he had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. When Saul arrived, rightly, the disciples were, were a little bit afraid. The Christ followers feared him. After all, it was Saul who had been pursuing them, arresting them. Some of them were probably present the day that Saul uh, killed Stephen, the, the church's first known martyr. They were probably there and saw Saul overseeing the entire thing. And now here is Saul saying, hey, I'm one of you guys. Let me in. It's only normal that they would be a little bit apprehensive about saying, come on in. They were afraid of Saul. And Barnabas, Barnabas put everything on the line, his reputation, his friendship with other people. And because he believed in Saul and the power of the gospel, he stood with Saul. He stood with Saul and he stood by Saul. And Barnabas gave testimony to everything that he had seen in Saul and everything that he had heard about Saul. Look at verse 28. It says, so he went in and out among them, among the believers at Jerusalem, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. And he spoke and disputed against the Hellenists, but they were seeking to kill him, his own Jewish people. And when the, what? Brothers learned this. When the brothers learned this, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. Saul is received in the church. He freely comes and he goes out among them. They have become his people and he has become theirs. And as he goes about his life in Jerusalem as a missionary, as an ambassador of Christ, when the Jews rise up against him, who is it that saves him, that gets him and, and takes him safely out to Caesarea? Verse 30 says it. It's the brothers. When the brothers, when the brothers and sisters, those other believers in Christ, when they learned this, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. Saul's brothers and sisters. That's who moved him safely from Damascus. His brothers and sisters, the very people that he had been seeking to stop, the very people that he had been arresting, throwing in prison, even having them killed, they have become Saul's new family brothers and sisters. 
when he believed the good news of the gospel, it, yes, his sin was forgiven. He was, he was granted the very righteousness of, of Jesus. And, and, and oftentimes that's where we want to, to stop, right? Through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, Saul becomes a, a, a son or, or a daughter for uh, our ladies uh, of the Most High God. And, and we, we often want to stop right there. Like this is all personal. Our relationship is personal, but, but, but it's not just personal. Saul had become a son of the Most High God, but you know what? So was every other believer. Every other believer was also a child of God. Now, what does that make us when we share a father? Come on. Brothers and sisters. It it makes us Family, like, like we are in Christ, brothers and sisters. Saul had a whole new family. This was his family. The people that he thought was his family, they were out to kill him. The people that he sought to kill, they were now his family. What a crazy story. I wish I had more time to develop this. Saul's new family, they took him in, they cared for him, they protected him, they stood with him, they stood by him, uh, they defended him. Barnabas, standing with Saul before the believers in Jerusalem, putting his own reputation on the line, standing with the murderer, standing with the murderer. He stood on Saul's behalf before the people. He stood on Saul's behalf before the apostles, testifying to what he saw in Saul's life. That's what family does. You you hear me? That's what we do as family. We stand together. We stand with one another. We, we, We defend one another. We protect one another. We have one another's back. Even when things are messy. Now, you have to imagine this, but, but, but I think we have the freedom to. This was messy. Like, it's real easy just to read through these verses and not pause to think about what was actually happening here. This was messy. Can you imagine the uncertainty of the church when Saul showed up? Now, think about putting yourself in their place. Saul, who everybody has feared, everybody has feared Saul. Saul has freedom to like arrest you, to drag you out of the house, to take you to the city gate and have you stoned, to, 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 to bring in false witnesses. I mean, Saul was above the law and Saul was wreaking havoc on the church. And here he shows up and he's like, hey, I'm part of you guys now. I'm on your team. Do you, do you think there would be some fear? Like, like for you, I, where would you be? I mean, I can imagine the, the, the fear that they had, the doubts that they had. I bet they were full of distrust. Can you imagine the conversations going on behind Saul's back? Behind the backs of, now listen, you can't imagine it because it happens all the time. Behind the apostles' back, behind the, the leadership's back, without talking to any of them, but just talking to one another, like, I think this is the worst decision ever. Can you imagine? Like, maybe you can picture yourself saying that. This is dumb. I can't believe they're doing this. This is the worst leadership decision ever. 
I can imagine those conversations happening all behind Saul's back. Their fears, their doubts, their distrust. I imagine with any misstep or misspoken word from from Saul, I imagine those believers cutting eyes at one another and saying, see, I told you. I told you. I told you Saul shouldn't be in here. This is a mistake. It, It is bad news. But listen, I also imagine the conversations that took place with those leaders and and those people who were afraid. The the, the gospel conversations ultimately that said, hey, hey, we, we are to forgive as we've been forgiven. Yes, Saul wreaked havoc on the church. And our King Jesus said, forgive as you've been forgiven. I can imagine, I can imagine the, the, the people saying, you, you, you have to love like Jesus has loved you. We are to be merciful as He has shown us mercy. We are to pour out grace as He has poured out grace on us. We are to love our enemies, even our enemies as He has loved us. All of those reminders of the gospel in the early church. See, here's the truth. Family, family is good, but it isn't always easy. It, it, it isn't easy as a church. It isn't easy as a missional community. In fact, it's, it's, it's oftentimes hard. It, it is messy And we have to remind one another in our family again and again and again that we are family. We we have to remind them that Jesus has made us more than than flesh and bones. We are are family and we we stand together and we stand with one another. And we, we don't run from our disagreements. And we love we love. We are, we are patient and kind like Jesus has been patient and kind with us. We, we extend to those around us even, even when they fail. Even, even when they fail. Even, even when they hurt us, we extend the grace that was extended to us. See, family, family is messy because we are broken people and we are a mess. But in our mess, we have the opportunity to point one another and even to point those far from God to the beauty of our Savior. And we do that, Jesus told his disciples, when we love one another. When we love one another through the mess, just like Jesus loved us. Family. That's the family that Saul experienced. That's the family that he experienced. And and, and that's why he refers to other believers as brothers and sisters almost 100 times in his letters. Beautiful. Saul has changed. He He is a missionary. He is a brother. He is a servant. 
I'll go through this quickly. As a Pharisee, Saul fought for his religion, for the systems that were in place. I think we could safely say, based on, the, uh, based on how he boasted about himself and his rise as a Pharisee and all that he had accomplished, uh, Saul served himself ultimately. Right? Saul served the religious system. He served in his religion. And mostly in all of those things, Saul was serving himself. Not so much serving the people around him until he met Jesus. And then Jesus changed that completely. In Philippians 2, and I invite you to go there at some point when you can and spend a little time there. We don't have time, but, but Saul described Jesus to the, to the Philippians, and he encouraged the church to be like Jesus. In verse 3, he says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Be like Jesus, he is saying. Be humble like Jesus, who Though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped or held on to. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. He gave up all of the glory, all of the ease, all, all that made him equal with God. He willingly emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, a slave. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Jesus, the King of glory, equal with God in every way, willingly set all of that aside to become a servant, to become a servant. Now, one chapter later in Philippians 3, Saul is writing about himself, and he says, beginning in verse 4, if anyone else thinks he has re uh, reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. As to the law, a Pharisee. As to zeal, a persecutor of the church. As to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as a loss for the sake of Christ. Saul became like Jesus. Willingly, gladly setting aside everything on earth that in his flesh he thought made him glorious. When he compared it to the beauty and the glory of Christ, it was a pile of garbage. And, and, and willingly, Saul set all of that aside to become a, a, a servant like Jesus. No longer serving himself. Saul would spend the rest of his life and he would die serving Jesus by serving the people of God being an ambassador of Christ. He didn't, he didn't serve in, in order to earn his place or to be a good Christian or to be loved more by God. He served because that's what servants do. And Saul understood that he was being shaped into the image of Jesus himself. Servants serve. We are servants. All right, another, another great story from Acts. Another story, this is the start of, of, um, of Saul's ministry, his ministry in the gospel. 
it's a picture. We get a glimpse of the difficulties that Saul is going to face. I mean, already we just got started. We've only covered a few verses. He's been run out of town twice by people who want to kill him. Great start to ministry. Remember what I said? Jesus changes everything, but not necessarily making it easier. Here is your proof. Jesus changes everything, but he doesn't make it easy. Saul will become in this story, right? We see the story unfolding. He'll become one of the main characters in the rest of the Acts story. But what I really love about this section is is looking below the surface. Saul was a new man. He was a new creation. He was changed and made new by Jesus. Saul was a brother in a new family. Saul was a missionary of the gospel, an ambassador of Christ. Saul was a servant in the very image of Jesus. And so are we, right? That's really where we're going with this. So are we. We are new people. If you are a follower of Christ, you are a new person. You are a new person. We are, we are, we are new people. We are a family of missionary servants. That's the way we say that at, at New City. We are a family of missionary servants. That's who we are. This is who Jesus made us. It's not a list of things that we add to our life. It's just who we are, like fish are fish, dogs are dogs. We are a family of missionary servants because that's what Jesus makes us. We are family. I'm not talking about Sunday family. I'm not talking about church family. I'm not talking about missional community family. I am talking about family. We are family. We are family because that's who Jesus makes us. We are missionaries. We are missionaries. Again, it's not something that we add to our list. It's not a trip that we take out of town. It's not something that we do when we serve the homeless in the community. We are missionaries because that's who Jesus makes us every single day. It's not just Saul. It wasn't just the first church. It's us. And like Saul, we are servants. Right? We were being shaped into the image of Jesus who said he was here not to, to be served. If anybody deserved to be served, it was Jesus. He was not here to be served, but to, to serve. L- leaving all of the glory of heaven to, take, to, to, to come here, taking on the flesh of humanity, being a servant. That, that's us if we are being shaped into the image of Jesus. Again, we don't add these things to our life. It's who we are. We really are family. We really are missionaries. We really are servants because that's who Jesus makes us. We don't add these things to our busy schedule. Don't leave here feeling overwhelmed. Listen to me. I am telling you. Are you listening? I am not telling you today to leave here and do anything. I am not giving you another thing that you should do on your list of do's or a thing that you shouldn't do on your list of don'ts. I'm telling you who you are. That's it. I'm telling you who Jesus has made you to be. It's it's who we are. It's who we are. Not not to add something to our schedule. Hear me, hear me, hear me. It's who we are as we go about our lives every single day. Family of missionary servants. Let's pray. Father, remind us that we are new creations, new creatures, that we are, we are changed. And, and, and who we are now is who we were intended to be in the garden. You created us for family, and you created us to be a part of a family.
You created us with a mission. Even in the garden, there was a mission to expand the the garden to be fruitful and multiply. To serve. To serve you as we serve one another. This is redemption and restoration. Father, thank you for your patience and your kindness. Forgive us when we forget. Forgive us when we don't believe. Holy Spirit, remind us. Remind us of this story. What an incredible story it is. What a crazy story. Remind us that as dramatic as the transformation is in Saul's life, we are equally new creations. Remind us. Help us to live in in, in the light of that good news. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.